comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Welcome to episode 105 of the Walking Dead TV Podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey, and I'm joined tonight by a whole bunch of fine folks. Mr. James Dietz, Mr. Aaron Newworth, Mr. Bradley K. Milo, and Mr. Russell Latham. How is everyone doing in this special mid-season finale episode, gentlemen? We got a lot of 40s to pour on the floor today, man. That That's is all I gotta true. say. A lot of 40s are pouring on the floor. We had to bring Brad in just to hold all the extras. True. The second I heard the news, I flew all the way back from Africa just to be here for this. <laughs> you mean that, that Brad was going to be on the episode? Yeah, that's what I meant. That was the news. I'm, very, I'm very touched. I'm very touched. Yeah, the stars aligned, and I'm uh, I'm glad I can join you guys. It's the first time I've been on the uh, the show for a while, but uh, here I am. And we are happy to have you back. Since you've been gone the longest, Brad, uh, what are your general thoughts on season four so far? I think I said this on the group, on the Facebook group, uh, page but uh where has scott gimple been for the last three years so incredibly happy with this season my favorite episode ever before you know the one we're going to talk about tonight was um gosh i can't even remember what happened it was so good like the one that uh, that was just it just blew me away noel herschel where he's being badass the whole time yeah that was just in the prison that was just my favorite episode bar none in tournament this season yeah, of this season and the whole series, and um, of course this one that we're going to talk about is giving it a run for its money for that title, but um, I'm extremely happy with this season, very happy. It, it's made up for some of the down time of, over the last few years. I'm, I'm ecstatic. Now, Aaron, you've only been gone a couple weeks on your lovely vacation overseas, so first off, how was your vacation, and second off, what have you thought of the few episodes you missed while you were away? Um, in terms of my vacation, I'm at a point in my life now where I can say that I've petted cheetahs. So, I mean, that's not something I expected to be able to say, but I can do that. And that pretty much encapsulates the entire trip. Uh, I went to, for those who don't know, I went to Africa, or to South Africa to be exact, for a couple weeks. And it was uh, just a fantastic trip. I went with my dad. We saw lots of animals and uh, Victoria Falls, all sorts of sights. It was really, really cool. And I actually blogged about it. So yeah. Was Victoria okay? <laughs> Wait a minute, they they have Cheetos in Africa? Yep. <laughs> Big enough to pet apparently. Yeah, they're dangerously wow. cheetahs. So. <laughs> I didn't think I didn't think they sold those over there. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was actually they have Pringles. Pringles are very popular in Africa. Um it was a great trip. I had a great time. Um as far as the ep- what episodes were there, there was um Live Bait and Dead Weight. 
Am I right? Correct. Okay. I got. I actually snuck out a review of Live Bait before I left, but um, well, that's true. I, I forgot about that. No, it's all good. I um, I, I certainly was siding with Jim. I heard. I listened to your guys' podcast on that one. It was what the Crossfire podcast, the first one. The first um, of two. The first of two. And yeah, I definitely sided with Jim on that one. I I kind of. I, and I, I felt the same about Dead Weight too. I just overall, I I'm not a, I wasn't a big fan of what they were doing with the governor. Then again, I've never been much of a big fan of how they've portrayed the governor. So this, these two episodes didn't really help me in that fact. And I would probably lean as to say that those are maybe my least favorite episodes of the series so far. <laughs> but um, I certainly like things about them, and I think there's there's a lot of imagery in Dead Weight that I really enjoyed. Like there's the whole scene of um, like the. The governor and the guys walking through the woods, and they find the body with like the signs that say like liar, murderer, rapist, and like that was that was pretty cool. And like the the zombies in the mud scene, even though that scene made no sense to me, there's like that. Was, there's just there there's some good filmmaking there, but overall, the governor's story just doesn't do a whole lot for me this season. And we'll get to that more in this episode, I guess. Question number three, sub question to question number one: uh, Have you perfected your South African accent? <laughs> the, see, I don't want to like insult anybody by just trying. I haven't, I haven't practiced it that much myself. But you have to be very kind of, you have to be very agreeable while also doing this kind of fake British Australian type thing. So you, you know, sure, yeah, we got South African, yeah, hmm, sure. Just, just say diplomatic immunity. Oh, that's easy. <laughs> diplomatic immunity. And something about just making sure I'm not standing on plastic. <laughs> There's a lot of secrets in District Nine, yeah. <laughs> See, the Bronx. only word I feel like I could you know, effectively say in a South African accent from District 9, I'd have to bleep on the show, so it wouldn't really be effective. But uh, that is a fun accent. It, it sounds always excited, sort of in the way that German always sounds angry. Yes, yeah, very, yeah. Which, I, which I know it's fun. Just, yeah. It's very nice there, too. I mean, I was certain, it's not like I was staying in the slums or anything, so I don't you know, know the, the, the true secrets of South Africa, but I had a, it was a, such a nice place. Like, it was such a very enjoyable place to be where you didn't feel like there was any you know issues you would be running into as a tourist for sure anyway nice nice well gentlemen without any further ado what do you say we talk about some walking dead sounds probably good a good me. idea already we came here. episode eight of season four of the walking dead was entitled too far gone it was directed by ernest dickerson and written by seth hoffman and we lost a lot of folks this week so uh we'll get through as best we can hopefully we can give them all their due we start out with the governor. He's convincing the remaining members of his camp to follow him to the prison. And we can see that Lily isn't really convinced about all this, but everyone else seems to be pretty gung-ho about it. You know, the governor, if he's not lacking one thing, that thing is charisma. He's got a lot of it, and people like to follow him along. And we, we so see some flashbacks to the end of last week's episode with him coming up on the prison and seeing... Rick and Carl, and it's revealed through conversation first, kind of subtly, but then we f quickly find out that he has kidnapped Herschel and Michonne, and he's going to use them as uh, as collateral, you know, as ammunition against the prison group. I thought we found that out first. Didn't wasn't that the first cutaway before he said it? I I don't think you see him kidnapping them till after he actually has mentioned it once or oh, even okay. twice. Yeah, it's all interspliced and kind of right. follows the pattern of his speech with what's going on. Like he eventually mentions, like I've taken them hostage and we see how he did, did that exactly because i had actually forgotten to mention it last week but the scene they showed during talking dead was a truncated version of this one and they say the line once they realize their people are gone and i uh, wish i i wish i had remembered it last week so we could have talked about it on the show but uh, yeah that, that gave up the goat a little bit early yeah it's funny i wasn't expecting that at all i wasn't expecting him to have kidnapped anybody i was expecting 
you know, a full-out assault and that we we're going to kind of see what we saw. But th- let alone it be Herschel and Michonne, I was really surprised by that. I mean, in a, in a good way. Um, but on a side note, it, it's funny. We I think we talked about a couple episodes ago that it's sad because every time somebody gives like a really um, forthright, hearty speech and, and tries to buck the system and, and want to do their own thing against the group, that that person doesn't make it. Yep, <laughs> um, right. yep. So as soon as I saw that Herschel was kidnapped with Michonne, I'm like, well, the streak is alive. <laughs> Although I got to say, they faked me out very well in the beginning of this episode. Um, we're not quite to it yet, but in a scene later on, pretty early in the episode, Glenn and Maggie are talking, and the way they were talking, it was like, well, they're setting up for at least one of them to die. Yeah, I kind of thought the happen. same thing. Yeah. So, I mean, there's still a whole other half of the season, but <laughs> I was expecting it to happen here. It was a bit of a tip-off of the whole episode, too, with him with the fighting the flu and everything, where they had so much you know, great character development for his character, and they really got, you know, he had that real you know crisis of faith or whatever. It just seemed like they were setting him up for some sort of catastrophe, whether losing Maggie or being killed himself. And, right, right. You know, those are the two, like, options I saw, it, you know, anyway. Honestly, I was just so sure that Herschel was going to die this episode that I just couldn't imagine them also killing off either Maggie or Glenn. So, yes. Yeah, that would have been surprising, although I could see at least one of the daughters dying along with him, and, and it would have it would have worked. But it, um, it would have boosted my star rating, I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> I expected uh, Beth to bite, bite it. Well, Russ can attest to this, and we'll get into it later, but I actually predicted that one of the daughters would die in a very specific way, um, and it did not happen, but the other half of my prediction, which happened off-air, did happen. So we'll get to that later. But I I agree with you, Brad. I I was quite sure that that was going to happen. So still with the governor, he, uh, he talks to his people, then he talks to Lily, and he basically says, the people of the prison are monsters. My only concern are your safety and Megan's safety. Besides that, I just want this prison. He then goes into the trailer where Michonne and Herschel are being held captive, and he tells them his plans to take over the prison. And, uh, you know, Michonne very clearly tells him, when I get the chance, I'm going to murder you. And he tells her he has no ill will towards her. He was mad at her, but, you know, kind of like we had seen from her angle a few episodes ago, he he's just, he's just here for the prison. He wants to take it peacefully if he can. Uh, you know, he was going to give everybody a chance to leave, but if they don't, he is fully willing to use his tank and, and uh, firepower to take it by force. Do you guys believe that for a second? Uh, oh, I think if everyone had just said, yes, we will leave, he would have let them leave and then maybe hunt them, hunted them down on his own. But I think for appearance's sake, he would have had to let them actually leave. I don't believe for a second that he would have let Rick and Michonne leave. I think... You know, he would have chased after him. I don't think he would have waited. I think he had it in for him too much. He was too crazy to be sane. You know what I'm saying? He was just obsessed with them. And I don't don't think for a second he would have let him leave. But I I don't think that in his mind he thought that they were going to give it up peacefully. I, I think he put that out there as an option. But I think he was convinced in his own mind these people are not going to give this up without a fight, period. It's not even up for discussion. It's not even entering my mind. But I'm going to come off as the bigger man by letting them, giving them an opportunity to leave. I, and then when they don't take it, then he looks even better. So I, I get what you're saying. I, I think that sounds viable. I, I agree with what Russ has to say, and I'll have more to say later on. But honestly, I just 
I don't know what the what the what the governor's actual intent was in a way that's bothersome to me. But uh, we'll get to that more, I guess, as we go on. Uh, before we exit that scene, Herschel tells the governor, "You know, both groups can live together. You say you're a changed man. Believe me, I know. I know you hate Rick, but he has changed a lot too since last time you saw him. It'll be hard, but we can make this work." And the governor dismisses him. So back at the prison, like I talked about before, Glenn and everybody else is recuperating from being sick with the flu. And uh, Glenn and Maggie have a nice little scene where they talk about the fact that they think it's their anniversary. And uh, Maggie relays some stories from her childhood, which, again, made me think that she was going to die, probably brutally. And then we cut over to Daryl, who we kind of cut in after Rick has told him what happened with Carol. But uh, Daryl is angry, but I'd say he takes it pretty well. He's upset he was left out of the decision, but he seems to understand that if Carol really did it, which he doesn't fully believe that she did, but if she really did do it, he kind of seems to have sided with Rick. Yeah, it's pretty much the expected response that I was <laughs> expecting from Daryl. I kind of had issue with that. I, I think he would have been a lot more upset, and maybe ultimately he would have agreed with it, but I think it was too quick. It was like Rick saying what he was saying. You could tell Daryl was a little mad, but then he kind of calmed down really fast. And I, I, I don't know. I just I had a problem with that with that exchange overall. I'd like to think we probably cut away from the initial reaction, and maybe this was kind of a later on conversation, like after Daryl cooled off. I mean, it's not that's guesswork, and that's the show's fault for not showing us more of that, I guess. But I mean, maybe for time's sake, we just got rid of got rid of some of that conversation. It seemed like that was going to be the big confrontation other than telling Tyrese would be telling Daryl because they were, you know, they were so close. Um, it, it didn't seem like that moment was in the show. Well, if we didn't have two episodes devoted to the governor, maybe we would have had time for it. It didn't yeah. bother me that we didn't actually see Rick telling uh, Daryl. I think, for me personally, I saw enough of Daryl's reaction to know what Rick had just told him. Okay, I don't need to actually see Rick say it. And uh, I thought it was kind of a, a neat decision on the on the producer's part to to say let's not actually show Rick saying it. Let's just cut to the chase because um, we got a lot of story to take care of in this episode. I think you know they probably made a wise decision on uh, shortening shortening that. And I didn't say anything about this, but I loved the two governor episodes. Um, they were very different, very unexpected. So I am I am not in the I hated it camp at all. I, I loved it, but that's just an aside. So I don't have a problem with, you know, I don't have the problem that uh, that Aaron had. But um, anyway, uh, I liked them just getting to the, cutting to the chase with, with telling Daryl. Uh, somewhere around here, we also have this, another scene with the governor where he's set up Megan and Lily on, I, I guess it, my impression at least was that this was an island surrounded on both sides by water with maybe a, a blocked off bridge or something going to it because they only seem concerned about the, the you know, egress from the river that zombies could attack them from but he's kind of set up camp there for lily and megan to stay there and to be safe while he and the rest of the group go to the prison um he hugs megan goodbye and it's it's actually i mean even despite everything that comes later it's kind of a sweet scene where she you know she's covered in mud and so she doesn't want to get his jacket dirty and he doesn't care etc i mean we all know what's coming and we all know what he's capable of but it's still i bought it well, that, but then you also see the governor kind of giving Lily a look, like, look how much your daughter likes me. Like, don't be mad at yeah. me for this terrible plan I have. Like, it, I, I, I see I see the two sides of this, of where, yes, he obviously has a connection to his daughter, reminds him of Penny and everything, but there's also the, I need to prove to Lily that this may sound horrible, but the greater good. 
<laughs> it's almost like two divorced parents or parents who are just about to divorce fighting over children. Governor versus governor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got the feeling that Lily was torn between being extremely creeped out by the governor and, you know, being forced to find somebody to depend on or somebody that she could talk herself into believing that she could have some kind of relationship with or whatever. But every time he spoke to her, she just always had this look on her face like, this guy is really wigging me out. I agree. Yeah. I feel like as the governor's moved into the, what, Team Martinez camp? Do we have a name for it? Um, it she's kind of seen the layers get peeled back on the on the governor to see kind of who he really is in this time, even if she hasn't been able to witness him actually do horrible, horrible things. She's witnessed him after the fact or in a change of mood compared to how she first met him that makes her kind of realize, I don't know if this is the right guy for me after all. Or... Uh, we cut back over to the prison, and uh, you know, with, in that last scene with Daryl and Rick, Daryl says, well, I might have taken this okay, but let's go see what Tyrese has to say, and he decides to go along with Rick, uh, p- potentially to help soften the blow, potentially to uh, actually soften some real blows if he has to between the two of them after what happened last time. And uh, they go find Tyrese, uh, kind of back a ways in the prison in a dark corner, and they, they tell him, you know, Tyrese, we got something to tell you, and he goes, no, 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 whatever it is, it can wait, because you, you've got to see what I just found. So they go back into this one corner against a door, and there's, I, I guess, a rat or a squirrel or some small rodent that has been bisected uh, down the middle and is tacked to a piece of plywood yeah. and has its organs opened up, yeah. creepy-wise. I don't know exactly how you'd explain it otherwise. But Tyrese uh, goes into a rant about this must be the same person who killed um, Lily and Frank or whatever the guy's name was. And, you know, that psychopath is still out there. We've got to find him. And they're just about to tell him, or they tell him, no, those are definitely two different people who killed the people and who's leaving the rats and, and this thing here. And they're about to tell him what really happened when all of a sudden the explosions start. Let's, let's, so let's stop there because we got to yes. talk about <laughs> this rat thing. I what wasn't going to just plow through that. <laughs> what the hell is going on with this? So clearly that's like the same person feeding the walkers, right? I think that's a safe guess. Somebody has a rodent fixation. Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's stop even faster and let's go back to the premiere. Whoever was feeding those, I think it was the premiere. Whoever was feeding those, I think it was the very beginning of the second episode. Okay, yeah. Whoever's whoever was doing that was on the inside with them. Obviously, they had adult hands. Okay, I yes. looked at this scene more than once. This was not a small child doing it. The hands were also able to get all the way up to the zombies' mouths without reaching up. So, right. So, so I'm, I'm totally with you. But, you know, the people that I talk to about the show at, at, that I work with, one of the guys is convinced that that creepy little girl that, you know, was kind of a pseudo-daughter to Carol or whatever, and the one that in this episode says, hey, we, they got guns, we should get guns. You know, that creepy girl. Lizzie. Can't remember her name, but Lizzie. I will be referring to her as Ruthia. Lizzie. She's, it's Ruthia and the Lost Girls. Her name is Lizzie. Okay. <laughs> it is Lizzie, but she's Ruthia. Um, he's convinced that she's the one that was feeding the zombies and the one that dissected the squirrel and tacked it up for everybody to see. So I'm hoping that it's not her simply because... It was an adult hand that was feeding the zombies, and like you said, they were tall enough to, to reach. So I, I just wondered if you guys had any thoughts about well, Beyond that, be. the whole dissecting the rat thing and tacking it up took a lot of dexterity. That was not a well, you know, I mean, you know, That and, was well done. 
in middle school, I dissected frogs and stuff. But this girl hasn't been to middle school. It's been a year and a half. She was like seven when uh, the world went to hell. Yeah, I guess that's true. I, I'm starting to. I mean, I don't know if it's Lizzie necessarily, but I'm kind of thinking it's one of these youngsters. I think one of these youngsters is up to something, and I'm starting to also think that maybe Carol, uh, maybe um, Carol actually didn't kill them. Maybe she found one of these girls killing them and like and covered up for her. I'm kind of thinking that might be actually the case. I could buy that actually. I, I'm kind of that's kind of where I'm at right now. I honestly I would, think that, that I would actually like like to see that. It would it would I, it would rectify, I like Carol. Would, I do too, and it would rectify kind of th- problems I had with the lead up to her exit. Like I I like that episode where she was where Rick made her leave, but the lead up to that I had problems with. But I feel like if there's a whole other twist on top of that, which it seems like is going to be the case given things that are happening. Maybe uh, it'll go on to make me appreciate what the setup was to begin with more. Yeah, I'm almost feeling to some degree like it was. It's it's become a moot point. I mean, they're out of the prison, so it's not really important as to who is stirring them up because that whole situation has changed. I guess maybe if they're just doing a slow burn with this, that it's it's somebody in there that can't be trusted, or um, you know that. Well, that yeah. Once the once the group issues. finds once they regroup and find them, you know, each other and. Um... We can only assume this will happen. Uh, yeah. You know, once the strange dissected rodents start showing up again, like Russ said, a slow burn, you know, it's going to it's gonna come back around, and it's going to... It has to. I hope so. Gonna go, hmm. there's, there's, yeah. no, there's no reason to have a whole scene involving a dissected rat and Tyrese, Daryl, and Rick, like, looking at this, like, what the hell's going on before you get to the other stuff? Like, they're... They're clearly having to be setting up something here. I mean, and we've well, also, and we've they've set up the rat. Someone's feeding rats to walk. Yeah, like these are th- these yeah, I mean, are things they, that they dedicated a cold open to it. So I mean, it yeah, can't I be mean, something exactly. that you know it wasn't just a passing thing. I mean, if you put something in that cold open, to me, that's fairly significant. It's something that sticks in your brain. So yeah. I don't think it's something they can just bypass. But I I feel like I don't know. I just I just I would have thought we would have had resolution to that by now. And I think I feel slightly cheated that this is carrying on unless now we could be sitting here at the end of the the 16th episode and I could be singing praises as to how awesome it was that they decided to go that route. But at this point, to be. Yeah. 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 At this point, I'm I'm a little skeptical. It just there's so much time spent on this, like little sub art like it's even in like the trailer for like the season. There's like someone's feeding these walkers like you hear that in that like you hear. You know that there's like been a mole or something kind of going on inside. No, this. they were rats. R- Thank you. <laughs> you know that there's, something's been going on. It it just feels like that's a lot of poor episode management. If we're going to spend so much time on this aspect and just not pick it up at all. I really like your idea that it's Carol covering up for the little girls. That would make much more sense as to why, right? You know, as as to why she did it, or you know, why she would admit to doing it, and I mean, because she would do anything to protect those little girls. So. That makes much more sense than probably what we're going to get to see in the show. It really does, because I really think if they wanted to set up Carol as this person that's so far gone that she just murder people without questioning anybody, the episodes would have done a better job of making you appreciate the character and understanding her choice and not just having a whole episode devoted to, guess what I did? Like, I feel like they, it seems like that's the way it's going, and, you know, if it does, bravo to the show, because you've, you've, you've won me over on this kind of plot arc, but we'll see, I guess. 
So, like I said, explosions start happening, or a explosion at least there. We get many, many explosions in this episode. And so everybody rushes out front to see what's going on. Uh, A couple of them grab weapons, but they quickly see the governor standing on a tank, surrounded by trucks. It is a shot taken directly out of the comics. I actually take back what I said last week in the spoiler section, when I said that there was probably more trucks in the comic. I think they actually had exactly the same amount. Like, it was pretty much identical to what the shot was in in the books. Yeah, there's a lot of the, a lot of screen comparisons I've seen online. That was a wonderful shot. I love it when they can pay tribute to the comic so precisely um with shot choice or composition or or you know, just elements that are definitely from the the comic. I just love it when they can do that and uh, I'm glad they could do that uh this time. It's amazing to me because usually we remark about how different the comic universe and the TV universe have become, but yet this episode has so many different callbacks and uh, and like references to the same event in the comic. That you know, I mean, a lot of in a lot of ways it remains faithful. You know, not maybe to the letter of it, but definitely the spirit of the event in the comic. You know what I mean? And so. uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the the scenes for you know the the second half of the season or whatever, um, but there are some elements in there that that call to mind future. You know, where the comic went after this happened in the comic, it calls to mind the stories that happened in the comic, at least one or two. So I'm really, I'm really happy with Scott Gimple because I think he's, I think he's paying more respect to the, to the comic than any of the previous uh, showrunners did. And, and that's fine, but, you know, part of my excitement for the show was to see stuff in the comic come to life. And I think he's providing a lot of that. And what's nice is he's getting us to those same places, but in very different ways. Like, we get the moments like the governor standing on a tank surrounded by pickup trucks, but the way we got there was very different. The outcomes, some of them were the same, but some of them were very different. Different characters died, different characters lived, etc. But we still get those moments and those feelings of nostalgia without having everything ruined for us. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there was a a line in this this episode where the camera is tied on the governor's face, and he says kill them all and that's just a shot directly out of the the comic that line especially it was just really cool seeing that the same uh, when carl and rick leave the prison at the end right. and he tells carl don't look back that is word for word out of the comic i think there's another line after it because of yeah. something that was different in the books in the show but that that shot and the line is exactly the same yeah that was the one that really struck me was at the end of the episode it's like oh wow i even got my compendiums out to check you know to look that back up and sure enough it's exactly like uh, Jordan said, the line is right out of the comic. In terms of like visual familiarity and homage, like yeah, this episode got a lot of geek points for me for doing a lot of things that were straight out of the comics in terms of just frame by frame comparison stuff like that. And I mean, some of the stuff in the season in general has done that, and I would say that for the rest of the series too. But yeah, this season and this episode particularly, I I, I agree that it, it really it really, despite having different events having played their course, it had a lot of visual similarity that I that I really enjoyed picking up on. That was that was a cool aspect of this one. So they go they meet the governor and the governor gives his ultimatum, leave the prison by sundown or I kill you all. And uh, he tells Rick to make the decision, and Rick says, you know, I don't make decisions anymore. There's a council, at which point the governor brings out some of Rick's council, which includes uh, Herschel. And I don't think Michonne was officially on the council, but she was kind of the the bodyguard of the council, if you will. Uh, Brings them both out and shows that he has prisoners. And Rick, you know, quickly, you know, everybody's getting guns. Daryl's kind of distributing them as secretly as he can. And, And Rick says to the governor, 
look, you know, finally he gets to the point where, look, we're not leaving, but we can all live here together. We can be peaceful. We can live in separate cell blocks. We'll never even see each other. You know, if you say you've changed, you know, the same thing kind of that we saw with Herschel earlier. If you say you've changed, I've changed too. I'm a different person. I know we had our problems in the past, but nobody has to die. Either everybody's going to die here or none of us have to make the smart decision. Um, and he says the line where we get our episode title. Uh, we also, get, of course, get the episode title from the name of one of the trades. But he says, we're not too far gone, um, which was something that was touched on in the very first episode of the season. And the governor looks at him and says, liar. Wait, and, wait, 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 wait. Thank you. I want to just say. Go ahead. Um, when When Rick says that, you know, we can come back. I came back. We can all come back. It cuts to Herschel, and Herschel has this little grin on his face like he realizes Rick believes it. Rick is back. You know, I'm so happy for Rick that he is back, and if this is about to happen to me, what I think is about to happen, I'm glad Rick is back because this group needs that Rick. And, of course, like you were going to say. At that moment, the governor takes Michonne's katana and slices Herschel's neck. Uh, everybody starts screaming and crying. Bullets start flying. Rick runs for the nearest cover. He gets shot in the leg, though, before he can even get there. Uh, bullets are going everywhere. Michonne runs for cover. Not even runs, but she's tied up, and she kind of tumbles and dodges for cover. As Which is really cool. That's a really cool, like, little move she kind of did to get away from yeah. it. It looked like she was breakdancing for cover. Yeah. <laughs> the breakdance fighting. <laughs> And uh, so everybody's going kind of crazy. Uh, Herschel starts crawling behind one of the vehicles. He's bleeding profusely from his neck. Uh, and the governor hunts him down with a katana and starts just whacking away at his neck and finally cuts his head clean off. Um, and I think that's the moment when uh, we we should have cut back to another scene, but I forgot about it. Um, earlier on, while the standoff is happening, Lily is on top of one of their RVs in that kind of island area, and and, uh, Megan's still playing in the mud. And Megan is saying, Mom, Mom, come play with me. But Lily's, you know, understandably freaked out. It's just the two of them, so she keeps watching this river because she doesn't quite trust what the governor said about the zombies not being able to get across it. She sees a zombie come out of the woods, and she starts reaching for a gun. The zombie starts making its way slowly across the river, and she keeps getting more and more anxious. And finally, the zombie loses its footing, trips, falls into the river, and gets carried downstream. So uh, Megan or Lily, you know, is, is, feels a little bit better. You lose, Walker. That- <laughs> At that point, uh, Megan digs out a sign from the mud that says, Warning, Flash Flood Area. And uh, we see a hand start to come up from the mud, a zombie that had been you know, covered in mud last time there was a flood. And it comes out, it grabs her, uh, she starts screaming, her mother runs for her. And then, I think this is the first time we've ever seen this in the show, um, a zombie bites a child. We've seen zombified kids, but we've never seen the bite that I can remember, unless you want to count Amy, Andrea's sister, but that's kind of on the borderline. Um, and Megan is killed by the zombie. I had a problem with this scene. The problem is that there's no way I would have felt comfortable with my child being 30, 40 yards away, nestled up against some woods, you know, I would have had her right next to me or down on the ground, right where I could hop off the top of the RV. I mean, you know, with all the protection and and cautions they've been taking, precautions they've been taking, there's just no way any parent worth her salt would let her kids sit that far away from her. Yeah, I had this 
<clears throat> the same issue. To me, it was just from the get-go, it was so telegraphed. Yes. Of course. It, and, th- there's and, no way an adult's going to be able to get to that kid quickly enough. So you just know she's dead. Yeah. It, go- yeah. it, go- it goes back to what Jim was saying two episodes ago about the governor's kind of storyline being very obvious to him. Because I agreed with that a lot. Because I feel like the second we meet this family, and you, you know, you see the girl, you know, she's going to have to die because it's going to make the, it's going to do something. It's going to, it's going to involve its way in something into, into the governor's kind of life and how he has this new connection that relates to Penny in some way. And so here we go, we get this Megan girl, and of course, and she already got, she got attacked last episode too. Like this, like The Walking Dead hates little kids. That's what I said the second that zombie. <laughs> by the way, like that's that's what I first exclaimed. It's like God, this show just hates little kids. It does not like them at all. They're just going to always die, except Carl. <laughs> and it's funny, too, because the guess what the governor told Michonne when he, you know, when he said he didn't have hate for her anymore, you know, they did originally, he said, you know, I knew Penny was dead. I knew, you know, she, she wasn't coming back. So it was all the more reason, I think, that nothing, nothing good was going to happen moving forward. Yeah. And like, is it tense? Yes. And it's exciting to watch. This whole episode's very exciting to watch for what it's doing. But I mean, it's just, you have some of these ploppies that just, eh, just kind of like, all right, the little girl's by herself in zombie yeah. infested woods area. Let's come on. What are we doing? After she's I been think attacked they uh, less than a day ago. <laughs> I, I think they could have done it in a way that was a little more natural and wasn't so telegraphed. Yeah. I mean, him putting the two of them by themselves, nobody else decided to stay. They're off, you know, kind of doing their own thing and she's so far away from her mother it just it it, i think they could like i said could have done it in such a way that that would have been a little more shocking and a little more surprising although i gotta say even if it was telegraphed i still recoiled seeing a kid get bitten that was oh yeah i said something we have not seen before and it was messed up yeah excitement factor yeah visceral completely (laughs) i feel it that's terrible sorry Megan. (laughs) so Cut back to the prison. The governor has just sliced off Herschel's head, and I believe that's the moment that Lily arrives on the scene, cradling the dead body of her daughter. Uh, the governor yeah. walks over, takes the daughter from her, um, looks sad for a moment, and then I would say he either goes to completely unfeeling or even almost a look of disgust on his face as he pulls out his pistol and shoots Megan in the head. He does it pretty coldly. Yeah, he's just kind of like, well, that yeah. happened. <laughs> no time for this. <laughs> The look of just horror on uh, on Lily's face was was awesome. Well, I think once he made the decision to kill Herschel, like he checked out, he was done. Like any sense of morality, any sense of decency, any sense of humanity left him, and he was just you know full on autopilot. And then I think to see um to to see the the little girl that just that just even if there was a shred left it was it was absolutely gone then so he's just like i said he's kind of on autopilot at this point i agree completely and i wanted to just touch on something jordan said when he when rick was talking to the governor and and the governor said liar the way that they mixed that audio at that point there was like a it was almost like a tunnel sound there was some echo when he said liar it was like it's just echoing inside his own head and that, to me, was a clue that, okay, this guy, some switched, a switch went off in this guy's head just now. It's so, very much, for anybody who's ever read any of the Redwall books, it's like when the Badgers go into their blood rage or what it's, whatever it's called, where, like, like you said, it's just that tunnel vision, everything goes red more or less, and nothing is going to sway them from what they're doing. They're just mindless killing machines from that point on. 
we hadn't talked about too much, but hats off to Andrew Lincoln. I mean, that performance he gave, he was just like desperate when he was talking to the governor. I mean, you could see the desperation in his voice. Yeah, very much so. I agree. His acting has gotten better every single year. Yeah. And maybe it's maybe he's always been a good actor because I've never seen him in anything before. But maybe he, it's like he's, you know, he's growing with the character as the character grows and changes. You know, maybe he's just really finding his his way to do this character. But he, whatever it is, it's it's working. That certainly seems the case for sure. Like he's gotten. It's not that he's you know. It's not that he's comfortable in the shoes of Rick. It's just more he's given more to do with him where like last season he had like the crazy Rick stage and the yeah. standoffish stage. This like this season's really allowed him to grow in a way that works for the show and for him as an actor. And I think it's paid off tremendously. I'd also say he plays desperation really well. So the oh, yeah. worse the situation yeah. is you put him in, the better he, not the better, obviously the character comes off, but the better he comes off as that character. Um, especially as we move later on into this episode, the worse things get for him, the more I buy his acting. He plays, yeah, he plays, he plays uh, confidence pretty well too, when given the chance, which doesn't happen very often because it's such a downer show for the most part. But like, remember like Nebraska, like that whole conversation he had on the bar with a, uh, whatever Rick and Terry, whatever their names were like, Joey and Tito or whatever, something like Joey that. Joey and Tito, yeah. That's what they were. Joey you know. and Tito. I mean, I, I, he certainly, I mean, I think Andrew Lincoln does, he, because Rick on the show is just not the most interesting character to me, but I think he's done such a, a great job of making it work this season where he has risen to the ranks of of, peop, of the people like Scott Wilson and um, Norman Reedus who have been consistently good on this show. So, like we said, the bullets are flying, the explosions are happening from the tank. Uh, I think we mentioned it in the spoiler section from last week, but the tank in the comics, it was a tank, yes, but they didn't have anybody who knew how to use it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and that's a big difference for here in the show, which was awesome. So we've got the tank blowing things up, we've got people shooting, people dying, zombies are being drawn in by all the noise, everybody's running around like chickens with their heads cut off just trying to get to safety. We learned earlier before the shooting happened that the, the prison does have an escape plan, which is basically when things are at their breaking point everybody runs to the specific bus we all get on the bus we all drive for safety um, so they start trying to do that as well as, as much as possible everyone's grabbing whatever they can and heading for the bus um, including the little kids who I've dubbed as I said earlier Rufia and the Lost Girls um, who are carrying around uh, baby Judith in her what do you call that just a baby carrier is there a name for that Our thing? Seat. Car seat. car seat, yes. Yeah. Uh, carrying her around in the car seat, which is kind of funny because it's as big as they are. Um, when Lizzie, Rufia, says, uh, you know, we should got to do what Carol told us to do. We've got to be strong. Everybody else has guns. We should have guns, too. Uh, and we'll get back to that later, but it's kind of creepy. Okay. Is that Go it? Go ahead. For now, this is a lot to cover. <laughs> um, can we, we back up a little bit more? Um the bus, the well before the bullets, bus. tank, uh, explosions. To the, to, as the kind of well, as the speech is going on, it's about the walkers. Now I understand that Carl and Rick, they you know they cleared out a lot of lock, walkers last you know the last time we saw them. But what there were like there were no walkers at all during this Governor Rick showdown, right? That that there was uh two or three. Because <laughs> he shoots them. I mean, the, the, for for ever, for weeks on this for since the season started. Walkers have been infesting the fences of this prison, but they're just completely gone during this whole standoff, which is kind of something that threw me a Even little bit. Even with all the noise. Yeah. With all the noise. Like, a tank rolled up. Like, that's, yeah. that's, a lot of, that's, that's noise. Like, regardless if the tank shoots or not, a tank rolled up. The, the other thing that I thought was funny is 
and it didn't really detract from me from the show, but I just thought it was funny, is all of these people seem to be able to shoot a walker in the head from, like, a oh, thousand God, yards. Yeah, the accuracy. But they're, my God. they're, they're <laughs> a hundred feet from each other, and nobody's getting shot. I just thought it was kind of... Well, like, Carl and Daryl are, like, the best shots ever, and they, like, can't hit anything in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Like, people are, like, two feet away from them. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Well, you know, people can move fast. Zombies can't. And even the governor misses a well. He doesn't miss a headshot, but he only takes out the jaw for one of the zombies. I mean, Rick he has was to go standing for the like right, Rick was standing right there. None of them could hit him as he ran for a bus. Like he could, that's because he knows to zigzag. I, I guess so. <laughs> He's got the fastest legs in the east. I guess. So there's kind of. I'm going to try to go through this as best as I can, but there's a lot of cutting back and forth. So bear with me. Um, there's, like I said, there's just pandemonium everywhere. People are running for the bus. Some people get on the bus. They get to the bus. They realize certain other people aren't on the bus. So they get off to search for those people. Maggie gets off to search for Glenn. I think there's a couple other situations as well. So everybody's running around looking for everybody trying to get on the bus. Maggie and Glenn finally get back and they're just about to get on the bus. Um, I think Glenn even does get on and Maggie goes back to look for Beth, who's now disappeared. And by the time they get back, the bus pulls away without them. So there's group number one of survivors who we don't see for the rest of the episode. So who's a bunch on, of people on the bus? Who's on? So who's on the? Is anyone? Glenn's on the bus. That's it. Glenn as and far a as, bunch of red. Shirts. As far as far yeah, as far as the main cast goes, Glenn's hmm. the only one that's on the bus. Right. Yes. Okay. You Which mean as of this point explode. in the episode, or as of the end of the episode? I think as of the end, the because end the, the bus pulls away like. After he gets on and, and Maggie leaves. Yeah, we don't see the bus again for the rest of the episode. Well, there may be somebody else on it, but we just don't see him. That's like, true. Like, I, I, like, I see for what instance, you're at. You haven't gotten to this part, but we don't know where Mich- Michonne is. She's the last true. time we see Michonne, she's helping Rick up off the ground. He says, where's Carl? Oh, she's gone. Although I think that's after the bus pulls away. Yeah, the bus is gone at that point. Yeah, I think the bus is gone at that point, yeah. She's, she's yeah. going to get her horse. That's where she's going. The point is, the point is we don't know where she is because the last time we saw her, was she was with Rick. Right, yes. He's got to get the horse. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody starts shooting everybody. The governor takes the tank or orders the tank to plow down the fences. The trucks uh, follow in behind them. Everybody starts marching in. People are getting shot, mostly red shirts. or all red shirts. Um, Zombies are coming in slowly but surely. And let's see what happens next. I guess Daryl is fighting a bunch of them. He's kind of pinned down. It looks like he's going to get bit by a zombie at one point. We cut away quickly. When we come back, he has killed the zombie, and he's now using it as a inhuman shield, if you will, to take down a bunch of uh, a bunch of people around side the tank. He uses a grenade. I don't know if we've seen him use a grenade recently, um, but he uses one grenade to take out a group of people, and then he eventually destroys the tank by dropping a grenade <laughs> down the cannon. I, like the whole Daryl stuff is like a bunch of women got very silent as walkers approach behind him then the next thing he has the walker in his hands and he's like yeah battling people. it's like and then there's all the women are cheering like it's just like daryl is amazing in this episode <laughs> like everyone has reason to be like very silent and then cheer just tremendously for every action that he takes in here it's ridiculous as, <laughs> as unbelievable as it was like okay he's got this body in front of him as a shield it's like <laughs> these are high-powered rifles it's like these bullets aren't going to go through and hit him but you don't care because it's Daryl being awesome. So he killed a tank. You know, yeah, yeah. He killed a tank with a grenade all by himself. Yeah. Come on. He killed a tank with his bare hands. <laughs> look, so, look. The the simple answer to all of this discussion is Daryl's a badass. It's yeah, yeah. plain yes. and simple. Exactly. Just, every yeah. every show like this needs a badass. This he one doesn't is have Darryl. time to get shot. Daryl, no. <laughs> Daryl ain't got time to bleed. Daryl chews glass because he likes the taste. <laughs> he failed recess in school because he don't play. 
I have never heard that in my life. That's, Jim. that's, that's awesome. a good one. Oh, Kudos, sir. But yeah, he, like, he kills a tank. <laughs> that's what Daryl does now. And after, well, after he throws the Wait, grenade. Wait, I'm sorry. Did anybody explodes. else? When I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. When he whipped out that that uh, grenade, did anybody else think of that line in Anchorman where Ron Burgundy says, "Yes, yeah. where did you get a grenade?" <laughs> I, I thought about that's this. Like, a, I, I figured there was yeah. going to be like a post campfire discussion about this giant like raid on the prison. He's like, "Where'd you get a hand grenade?" He's like, "I don't know. I just pulled it out." Like, just, yeah. I stabbed a guy and I killed a grenade, a tank with a grenade. <laughs> So before the tank explodes, but after Daryl drops the grenade in, Kirk Acevedo, whose character I want to say is named Charlie, but I've just remembered that's his character from Fringe. What was yes. uh, what was his name? It was it was um. You mean in Fringe? No, no, no. On this show. Oh, the jerk oh. friend guy, um, Mitch. Yeah, Mitch. Yes, Mitch jumps out of the tank, um, and uh, he starts to look like uh, he's maybe gonna surrender, maybe gonna kill Daryl, and Daryl has no time for that, and he shoots him with his crossbow. That made me happy. I hated that guy. Yeah, he he plays a good jerk almost as much yeah. as Tara. He was wonderful in Fringe. I re- uh, really liked his character. In Fringe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, it, it it was difficult to watch him in in these couple episodes. Um, meanwhile, Tyrese has been moving from kind of place to place, getting you know firing pot shots, taking out a lot of red shirts. Actually, I think he probably had the best uh, the best kill count ratio and, for uh, the entire group. And he's like the worst shot in the show, which is like, what the hell is going yeah. on with the accuracy <laughs> this episode? See, they gave him special bullets that were tiny hammers, and when you give him hammers, he's fine. <laughs> oh, okay. Since I haven't been on the podcast for this season, can can we, can I just say something about? Tyrese real quick. Absolutely, sir. Sure. I'm very disappointed in TV show Tyrese. Uh, he's not anything like the comic book Tyrese, and if he had died in this episode, I would not have missed him. Now, Brad, do you say that because he's not the badass that you're used to him being, or just he's just off in general, or, or what? The Tyrese that I knew and that I expected to see... Okay, let me back up. The Rick that we knew and we expected to see uh, when the show started, we got it, okay? The Shane that we knew and expected to see, we got him. Uh, but the Tyrese that we knew and expected to see, we didn't get. It was like a different personality. He, Like you said, he was not a badass. He was a scaredy cat, uh, sissy baby, and I think it was a disservice to that character. See, I, but... With Rick, I wouldn't necessarily agree. Like I would, like I don't, I don't think we got the Rick we want, where we had in the comic until more or less recently, or at least in in various bits and pieces. Like it didn't start out the way. Like I, I don't think we got certain characters right away, and I think Tyrese is kind of falling in that way too, where you have this because you had the whole governor thing, and you have these different elements that kind of shift around how these characters act. We haven't had enough time, I think, to get to the the Tyrese of the comics, which has gone along with some well, of the other characters. The Tyrese in the comics started out as a badass. Yeah, and I would say the same for some and of the, the other characters as well. But some of them haven't started out that way. But they've only just they've only got they've gotten to that point eventually. Well, I'm talking about Tyrese. I... <laughs> and in my two examples, my opinion is that Rick started out in the show as Rick started out in the comic. You know, he's changed in the show, yes, but he also changed in the comic, and I think they've paralleled that nicely. But Tyrese, who I was really looking forward to. I just think they mishandled him from the get-go in the TV show. And it was a little think, disappointing. 
Do you think maybe it's because Norman Reedus, like the Daryl character, has kind of taken that role of of lead badass, and that maybe if they portrayed Tyrese as that second alpha male, that that the two that those two strong, you know, physical characters would just clash, or maybe not sit right with the audience, or see, or leave it unbalanced, maybe. I think that's a possibility, but I think that's a pretty lame excuse. And that's fair enough. I mean, I think it's it's hard because if you introduce a character just as a badass, like think about how when we first got Michonne, yes, she was awesome in her ability to kill things, but she wasn't much of a character, and it took them a long time to get her to where she is this season where, oh, she can smile and have emotions other than Death Glare. And maybe, uh, you know, this is just me guessing, but maybe they were worried about doing the same thing with Tyrese. Um, now, granted, he was also introduced under the last showrunner, etc., but you know, I'm fine with giving him time. I mean, obviously his story in the show is going to be very different than it was in the comic. Uh, I don't want to spoil things from the comic, but let's just say he's not around in the comic anymore, and he hasn't been around in the comic for a very long time. Uh, so they've got a lot of room for him here. They introduced him later than they would have in the book, or than they did in the book, and they're going to dispatch of him later on in the show than they did in the book. So... I, I'm fine giving him time to become that character. And, I don't know. And there are different means of who he's with in the show versus the comic as well and what changes in that manner. Yes, <laughs> which we can get into in our spoiler section because some people have postulated some very interesting ideas about where he might go in the second half of the season. Well, comic Tyrese, too, is also like Rick's sounding board. is like, you know, almost like his Will Riker to, to Rick's Picard. He's like the other person that he bounces ideas off of and kind of keeps Rick in check, and I think that part of Tyrese is taken you know, by Herschel in the show. I mean, Herschel's kind of half Dale from the comics, half Tyrese, you know, in some ways. That's and a good all point, Jim. I can, I would, uh, I would agree with that. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of there's, you can't have too many similar personality types, or else there's nothing to, ca- there's, there's no way to to bounce things off of each other. It just kind of all falls flat, so it it's a, it's a sacrifice of a certain understanding of how a character was in one format versus another, but at the same time, you have to kind of do the best you can with what you got based on the context of how you got there. I, I, I understand the complaint because yeah, I, I don't, Tyrese isn't my favorite character. I'm not completely disappointed with how he's been portrayed, but he's certainly different. I agree with that. Is that much, but you know, for me, it's almost like if you're not going to use that character to the full potential, which that was established in the comic, then why introduce him at all? Well, and it's funny because my issues with Tyrese, I, I don't think are biased for, for a change. I think there's a lot of things in this show that are biased by my have read the comic. And I, I think my issues with Tyrese aren't biased by the comic. I think they just, they just didn't, they just didn't sit right with me. And I mean, we talked about that on previous shows. I mean, just the, his reaction to when I forget what her name is, the, the girlfriend, Karen, um, Lily, Karen. Oh, yeah, Karen. Karen. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, when she was, you know, when she died and and everything that happened, I I just I just didn't find that a natural progression for that character. But um, I, I don't I, I I think that's more my issue than than necessarily him compared to his comic counterpart. With that said, him being kind of stubborn and having a short temper does seem kind of in line with the comic version of Tyrese. Yeah, but I, don't I, know, I agree with you, Russ, because we have, we both have, we both have the same problems with that with. Yeah, that episode. yeah, and that's just more of how the show is handling it, not just not in terms of like, right? Well, it is. It's yeah, t- yeah. Okay. Anyway, moving on. 
Tyrese gets saved. <laughs> well, so Tyrese has been doing very well, but he's kind of separated from the rest of the group, and he has to keep running from cover to cover. He eventually gets pinned gets pinned down and looks like he's going to be killed, I believe, by Alicia, wasn't it? Tara's girlfriend? Yeah, Tara's stupid girlfriend, yeah. <laughs> so um, Alicia's about to shoot him when uh, I think or her and another person are about to shoot him. When the other person gets shot, Alicia looks over to see who's doing the shooting, and it is Rufia and the Lost Girls. It's Lizzie. Lizzie shoots her in the head, and uh, bye-bye, Alicia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she destroyed her. It was a great shot. Oh, my God. And the look of pretty surprise awesome surprise on everybody's face was awesome. Yeah, that was a pretty awesome moment, I thought. As much problem as I've had with Lizzie's character this season, um, just the way it's been written, I think the acting is more or less fine, but... Uh, that was a really cool moment. It was. I I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> now put that gun down right now before you do something else awesome or potentially terrible. I, I expected Tyrese to, to say that. You know, thanks, but now put the gun on the ground, please. <laughs> and see, with with the potential of Lizzie being the one that's, like, causing problems with the rats and stuff, it seems, like, really neat that if Tyrese is the one that takes these girls in and she's the one responsible for killing Karen and then Carol... Like, there's so many different possibilities that we could get to later on in the season based on just a theory that <laughs> is going around right now. I just hope it doesn't turn into a Shakespearean farce because those get old really quickly. <laughs> that's... Um, uh, I need to back up because... I really hate Tara. I, I haven't mentioned that at all. I Now, well, we, we sh- uh, let me back up even before you back up okay. and say w- the last thing we saw of Tara was Alicia telling her, you know, if we get separated, just run. I'll meet up with you. And Tara, despite the fact that she puts on a big front, and we've kind of suspected this in the beginning, she's all talk and no game. And uh, when, when everybody starts shooting, she quickly, you know, kind of buckles under the pressure and eventually runs away. She, she just cannot handle the pressure. Yeah, and I really hope she's gone at that point because it's not just like the character. I don't like the actress that plays Tara. I don't. I don't really like the performance at all. Which is funny because it's Elena Masterson mm-hmm. who is the sister, I guess, of of the Masterson brother, like Danny Masterson, who is in uh, that seventy that show, show for a long time, and then the other brother really? was on, yeah, Malcolm, Malcolm in the Middle, the, middle, the, old, the older, yeah, brother. yeah, the older brother, yeah, the one that was also in military I- school. See, I have no problems with her. I, I find her kind of adorable, so I don't know. I, I, just, I do not have the same problems with her that you do. Anyway. I don't know. Like, it just stuck out to me. The first episode, she, the first one with the governor she was on, is like, I don't care about this person. But then she just, ah, I don't, I don't. Like, I had another actress who I thought was the worst one on the show, and now this one's come along, and that was, it's been an issue for me. <laughs> so she's the sky of The Walking Dead, is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other can of worms I don't need to open right now. <laughs> so Alicia's dead. Tara's run has run away. Uh, Tyrese and the girls seem to have run off together. The little girls. Um, he's going to take them to safety. And Bob, Sasha, and another character. Where's the it's name Maggie, here? Maggie. And, and Maggie. They are also in another group that kind of gets separated. So we've got a lot of disparate groups by the end of this episode. But the, those are kind of some of the big main ones who, who Beth, have separated off. Beth uh, and... Um... Daryl also run off together. That's right, Beth and Daryl. Oh, there's a there's a comic. And then of course, well, go ahead. So then finally, the governor is making his way up to the prison. And this kind of, you know, again, like I said, we're cutting back and forth between a hundred different things going on. Um, but the governor is making his way up to the prison when Rick jumps out from behind his cover after the rest of the troops have already gone past. So the governor and the Rick are able to have a really long and I thought pretty well done uh, just beat down, mano y mano, fisticuffs, uh, 
giving as good as they're getting, just back and forth, back and forth, until finally the governor has Rick on the ground, and he is, for all intents and purposes, strangling him to death. And uh, I thought the governor was great here, David Morrissey was great doing this, um, Andrew Lincoln as Rick. I, I really believed that... The guy, you know, I didn't obviously believe Rick was going to die, but aside from knowing that Rick's not going to die, I totally believe the governor was seconds away from fully killing him here. I I wasn't so convinced. I thought for a minute I was like maybe they're going to be really bold and 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 off Rick here too because he looked like he was about you know two seconds away from not coming back. So I I thought that was very well played. Would have been twenty six busters for me if that happened. I would have. <laughs> I'm waiting for the internet meme to come out where they put the Star Trek battle music behind that fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. So lot of, I'll do of, it. I'll let it. I'll let it that together. Next couple of days. A lot of, a lot of people punching each other. Yeah, that happens. Except Rick never makes any gunpowder out of rocks. So, I'd be missing that. But anyway, uh, so the governor is just about to kill Rick when Michonne, in the best timed and best measured uh, stab of her katana ever, because she went about an inch further and Rick would be dead too, she stabs the governor through the chest and saves Rick's life just in the nick of time. So, one of the other things that kind of made me laugh a little bit was the governor had to hack and hack and hack and hack to get Herschel's head off. Yeah. Yet we've seen Michonne with like one arm, you know, lop zombies' heads off like like it's butter. So I thought that was just kind of funny. And I know three words, three thing. words: Hitori Hanzo sword. <laughs> Russ, <laughs> Russ, rem- remember Michonne? Like what? She like snapped, She broke her ankle or whatever, and was still doing push-ups in the prison while she was healing. I mean, she's true. Yeah. Like, she, yeah. What's the governor been doing? Walking around lazily with a beard? Like that's not exercise. It's all about <laughs> upper arm strength. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's about one hundred and ten percent muscle. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so the governor is is just kind of mostly dead. Not quite dead yet, but he, he's mostly dead. And Michonne doesn't even do him the courtesy of finishing him off. She's done with him. Uh, she helps Rick get to safety. And I believe that's the last time we see Michonne in the episode. Yeah. I, I'm convinced she didn't finish him off because she wants him to turn. She wants him to suffer. And she wants him to feel what it's like to become a, a zombie. And maybe turn him into the next one of her pets. Yeah. Either that or she knew he would get eaten, which would suck just as much. Or she had seen the end of the script and knew what happened next. Yeah, I I, I, I was kind of there, too. I I was more... I kept saying, hit him again, because I'm like, God, I don't want this guy to just, like, uh, disappear and come back again at some inconvenient time. Season six, the governor's back. He's like the Joker or something. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, this next scene happens. Let's get to that, because I like that. So, well, I don't know which, again, this is all mixed up, so I don't know which scene you think I'm going to next, but Rick runs back up to the prison to find Carl and Judith, and he's yelling for him. Um, He looks like he's about to get eaten by a zombie because he is about, again, even though he's not being choked anymore, he looks like he could keel over and die at any moment. And two zombies come out after Rick, um, and he looks like he's about to be bitten. When Carl saves the day, he comes out, he shoots the zombies and saves his dad, and the two of them start looking for Judith. When they find her car seat empty and covered in blood. And the two of them are obviously very upset by this. And I thought the scene, both of them portrayed it very well with just crying and sobbing. And again, Rick, when he's at his most broken down, Andrew Lincoln plays him the best. Um, I mean, <laughs> the, the, it's more of 
Rick negotiating desperate. That's the that's the Rick I think IP plays best. Rick crying, I think I see all the time. It's just like, yeah, all right, there it is again. But this was the first time we've seen Carl cry. I think, yeah, except yeah. maybe when his mom died. I don't remember, but nah, he really he was pretty. He was pretty stoned when, when he had to kill his yeah. mom. Actually, yeah, I think we were. I think we mentioned that. Like he was pretty like, yeah, I did that. It's a little upsetting. So, I get, I think it again. It shows how Carl has changed and grown uh, over the He's, last season, over over the break, as it were. He softened. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I just I thought it was an awesome scene. I mean, I just I just my heart was breaking for them. Although I I don't buy for a second that Judith is dead, but no. that's just me. Me neither. No, not at all. I'm hoping somebody, uh, you know, that was shot, or maybe you know, maybe uh, what's his face, Bob, that got shot, maybe Bob Stucky. Yeah, maybe he picked her up because he was bleeding, and that's what all the blood was from, or something like that. I'm sure we'll see that. We then cut back to the governor, who, like we said, he's bleeding out, he's in the field, he's kind of crawling a little bit, when uh, from the haze, because I think it's a little bit out of focus at first, just to show you his point of view, um, up walks Lily, and she is pissed, she takes out a pistol, and she shoots the governor in the head. So he is for sure gone now. Good he stuff. is done. Good, good scene. No governor season six. Good scene. Yeah. Well, we didn't, we didn't actually see him get shot in the head. All we saw was the pistol. But isn't it from his point of view, and then doesn't it cut to black after the gunshot? Yeah, but didn't they cut the Sopranos to black, and you don't know if What's-His-Face is alive or not? Well, he hasn't come back. <laughs> well, neither has the show. Too soon? <laughs> oh, I'm that's assuming... true. I was, not trying to do... I was not trying to make a James Gandolfini joke. My apologies to his family. I'm assuming that the governor's dead as well. But you never know, man. You can't just assume anything. Like comics, no body, no death? <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I certainly don't think the gunshot made him better. Let's just put it that way. Maybe exactly. maybe Judith crawled over to him and saved him. <laughs> yes. um, I'm just saying what somebody's thinking out there. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate it. There's somebody, some WDTV podcast listener that's just screaming, Brad's so right right now! <laughs> that probably happens more often than, than you realize, Aaron. <laughs> and the person usually screaming at him is Brad. <laughs> yeah, it's me. It's me when I'm listening to it's my own. Home, so, listening to his yeah. podcast. Yeah. This guy is so good. I can just see him wow. in his truck. He's got at least one of his daughters there, and he's just pointing at the radio. You hear that guy? He's right on the money. Somebody agrees with me. <laughs> Tell it like it I'm is. Trying to impress people. <laughs> Listen to this guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. So for the final scene of the episode, we cut back to Rick and Carl. Again, they're just racked with grief. They're making their way away from the prison, crawling up the hill. So you can see the burning prison in the background. It's just smoke everywhere and fire everywhere um, as zombies move in. And we actually see one of the zombies moving in towards the uh, prison is Clara from the first episode, the Irish woman who killed herself. Yeah. Um, and Rick tells Carl, don't look back. Keep walking. And, is uh, is that who that was? Yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> That's why they focused I, on her. Oh, yeah, I totally really, didn't catch that. No, yeah. that's a really cool thing. I had to, uh, and to be fair, I did not cool realize thing. who it was on first blush, although I did go, I know I'm supposed to know who it is, but later on I realized the reference. Yeah, when they focused on her, I was like, okay, obviously they're focus, focusing on her for a reason. I mean, she's not, there's nothing odd about her that would explain if this is the first time we've seen her, why they're focusing on her, but... Because she had a sweet jacket. 
Yeah, that's what it was. But knowing that that's who that is, that's that's really cool. Yeah, I had to rewind it because I was like, wait a minute. We st- we spent far too much time looking at this person. I'd rewind. I was like, oh, okay. Then I saw it. And the credits happened. I was like, oh, Carrie Condon. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Oh, was it actually the actress? Yeah, it was, yeah, Carrie Condon. It was in the I, I thought it was just some, you know, random zombie, oh, yeah, they, you know, made up to look like her. Yeah, they had her in there because that, like, that, that, that was like my secondary confirmation. Like, okay, good. Yeah, they brought her back in or at least filmed her scene or whatever. So. That's really cool that they would actually bring her back just to play the zombie, although maybe they shot it along with that first episode. But either way. Um, so, yeah, Rick and Carl go into the woods. Don't look back. Keep walking. It's directly out of the comics. And that is the mid-season finale of season four of The Walking Dead. Gotta say, comic-wise, the next couple stories in the comics that follow the kind of prison breakup are some of my favorite of the, of the whole Walking Dead series. So I'm excited to see where it goes from there. Yeah, there's some really good stuff in that area. Yeah, some good Carl stuff. <laughs> and just in case people are wondering, issue number 48 that you've heard us mention on this show in years past is where the, what we just talked about was where that happens in the in the comic, which is the end of hardcover book four, if memory serves. Or if you have the compendium, the, the final issue in there. Yes, yeah. that's or, true. Or this trade true. number eight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or issue 48. Right. Or if you have the deluxe omnibus hardcover, the end of volume two. <laughs> the point is, there's a lot of ways to get The Walking Dead, and you should check out at least one of them. Since since we have passed a major milestone, you know, in the comic, is it okay to to make a couple of comparisons with the story? Let's do it in the spoiler section. In the spo- that's fine. Yeah. Just because, uh, again, I, I don't want to spoil anybody. Who Maybe can we even do a two-part spoiler section, one for what we expect for the second half of the season and one for what was different between this and the and the comics. We got some time off in between episodes, so we can have plenty to do. <laughs> That's true. So before we get into our busters for the midseason finale, Russ, who is our sponsor this week? Our sponsor for this episode of the Walking Dead TV podcast is Discount Comic Book Service. That's DCBService.com, where you can get tons of great deals on your comics, graphic novels, T-shirts, all kinds of cool stuff that you can order through the previews catalog. Um, also, don't forget, if you are into digital comics, you can link up your Comixology account through the DCB service website and earn 5% back towards a future purchase. So if you have that awesome hardcover you've been uh, jonesing for and aren't a monthly comic person, or you just get Walking Dead in the trade, but, but, uh, but there are some digital comics out there that you dabble in, maybe some of the digital first stuff, uh, from some of the publishers that that uh, doesn't see print quite as often, you can buy your stuff there, get five percent back, and then when you place your order, you got a nice little credit there waiting for you. Um, some of the specials this month are Walking Dead one twenty one and one twenty two, which for I think the next two months, Walking Dead is going uh, semi monthly because it's that all out war arc that that's going on. So big doings happening in the comic book. Uh, a lot of parallels, uh, honestly, to the Governor Saga. So um, so if you liked a lot of the stuff going on that you've seen in the show and have read the book, you might want to check that out. Yeah, if you think the Governor is a crazy person after watching these last two seasons, the, the main villain right now makes him look like Barney the Dinosaur. Yeah, and, I was going to I was gonna mention that same thing. When we started this podcast, you know, who are the two people that, that we mentioned over and over again that we clamored for wanting to see? It was the Governor and Michonne. Well, I can't wait till they get to this guy. Yeah, you know, I, I just can't so wait. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. you're supposed to. And he's I a really, different I really kind. hate him. <laughs> I never thought anybody could rival the governor uh, for status of ultimate villain. But holy crap, he's a whole different kind of crazy. Um, oh yeah, 
this character is. Anyway, uh, so definitely check that out. Some of the other specials going on, uh, DCB Service has the new Marvel Now bundle uh, coming out where you can get all of the new, uh, the next wave of Marvel Now titles in a bundle for 50% off. Uh, so you could pay, instead of $114.70 for all of those titles, you only pay $57.35. And there's a whole bunch of uh, good new number ones coming out uh, from Marvel in this month's solicitations as well. Uh, don't forget all of the um, uh, DC, uh, the, the new newly solicited hardcovers and paperbacks are all uh, 50% off as well. Um, a, a book uh, specifically that I'd like to shout out this month from Image uh, that, that is celebrating its fourth issue is Rick Remender and Matteo Scalera's Black Science, uh, which uh, we've read the number one, some of us, uh, that came out a couple weeks ago. Um, fantastic series. The art is, is spectacular, so you might want to give uh, Black Science a read. Um, again, uh, dcbservice.com, we thank them for their support of the Walking Dead TV podcast. Absolutely. So, gentlemen, what are your buster ratings for this episode? I gave this episode three busters out of five, and it's because I, I didn't really get into this all that much, but I really am just not on board with the governor, and because of that, it just doesn't make me appreciate kind of the stakes that are going on here as in terms of entertainment value i was certainly having a lot of fun watching this episode and you know partial dying is you know that's a very sad thing among the other things that happened in this episode but i just i i don't have much <laughs> i don't have much of anything that makes me appreciate the governor the governor's presence on this show and the two episodes devoted to him didn't help with that so because of that it just took away from the impact it was having with me on this episode overall despite a lot of crazy things that did go on so yeah i went three busters Five Busters, solid five. Loved it. I mean, it's it's what I want from a Walking Dead episode. I want blood and guts and explosions and guns and zombies and crazy kills and terror. It's just it had everything. I loved it. Uh, I give it a four and a half, and uh, it just there. I I really appreciated uh, how it you know it goes its own way in the TV continuity, but it also had some really cool like allusions to things that happened in the comic and uh you know scenes that came right out of the comic but you know the story was quite different i really liked that and appreciated about it i'm in the same boat with aaron i, I don't remember i thought the whole redemption storyline for the for the governor was kind of a waste of time especially considering this episode um but i i did like the way this played out so 4.5 for me uh, i also give it 4.5 i think I, I tried to take this episode and judge it on its own merit and not based on the things that came before it, um, or, or my opinions on that. So I thought it was a solid episode. I thought it was pretty well directed. I thought it was pretty well written. Uh, I thought the performances were excellent. Um, especially the Rick stuff. I, I just, it was just really heart wrenching. Um, and then even Maggie and Beth's reaction after Herschel, you know, was killed. I, I just, I, I my heart just kind of, kind of, I felt it, you know, it just, it, it had that emotional pull, uh, and I think that's that's definitely praiseworthy in in you know any kind of visual medium you know if it can make you react emotionally or react in in a specific way. So I, I thought all that was well done. I, I mean, the only negatives I would say are just I wish that this I wish that we didn't have what happened at the end of season three. I I wish they would have just stretched out the Woodbury part, and it, this would have been the end of the of the Woodbury part, and they could have restructured that some somewhat to, to make this happen because I just feel like having him go away, devoting two episodes for him to come back 
and then have him just be kind of killed off at the end of this. I I just felt like that was just lost ground, and we ended season three and then this half season with this big confrontation with the governor. Now, granted, this is the the confrontation to end all confrontations, but I just I just felt like there was a lot of spinning of wheels, and given that these are sixteen episode seasons, they're split into eight episode parts. I I would have liked for for it to use that time gaining more ground than to you know to just kind of uh, rehash. It, it's almost like they weren't happy with the way that things had to go with the end of Woodbury and said, okay, well let's let's do it over. Let's have another confrontation and let you know let this one be even more spectacular than the last. Um, which which sounds like I'm I'm maybe being more negative than uh, than my rating shows. But like I said, overall I'm I'm very happy with with how this went. I totally agree with you, Ross. I, mean, I, I think that would have worked out a lot better than them trying to, you know, th- them having the governor go away and then them having to, you know, try to try, um, you know, force his, you know, well, maybe he's actually not all bad. Look, he's, he's reformed. He's changed his name, you know, and all this other stuff. It, I think it would have been better if they'd done it your way and just had this be the final confrontation. Yeah, I thought, I, I just wish Martinez should have shot him at the end of season three. That would have just been, I would have been happy with that. No, we just don't have to deal with this at all. <laughs> Could have gone either way. <laughs> <laughs> I am firmly with Brad on this one. I also give the episode a five. Uh, I really did enjoy it. And granted, um, Brad and I are the only two of us who really liked the Governor storyline these last two episodes uh, previous to this one. But for me, it, it just all worked. Would I have preferred having this be the showdown that ended season three? I, I think I would agree to that. I think rather than doing this you know, circuitous route to get to it, that would have been better, but I was happy with what we did get, especially considering season three was already in the can. There's nothing they could really do at the point that the new showrunner came on. Um, so what they for what they gave us um, to get there, I was happy with it, and I was really happy with this ending as well. Um, I, I'm a little worried that going forward into the second half, it might feel like a rehash of the beginning of season three with the group separated and everything like that, but I'm not going to hold that against this episode because we'll wait to see how it actually plays out. So for what was actually on screen for this episode five out of five for me i loved it. you say that but i mean the beginning of season three is my favorite stretch of the series i mean the first time the first half of season three is probably has a lot of my favorite episodes in there with the exception of clear i guess i mean i i like seeing that disarray in action and everything but not the andrea and michonne stuff in the beginning it wasn't too much of a problem it was in the middle where it became all like here's the same thing again like uh, i guess that's fair that's fair well and and to the to the credit of the comics, I mean, without getting specific, there's been many times where they've kind of had to regroup or move on or you know reorient themselves. So yeah, that that doesn't bother. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean that doesn't bother me so much because that's just kind of the way things are. I mean, you know, as soon as they get comfortable in one place, you know, something really bad happens and and they move on. And so, like like I said, that that doesn't uh, put me off at all. Uh, Jim, what did our listeners on Facebook think? And we should mention, before we even get into mentioning the Walking Dead Facebook group, which you should definitely check out because it is awesome. We're almost to 500 members, and when we get to 500 members, Jim has already said that there's going to be a giveaway, so search for Walking Dead TV on, on Facebook. But, aside from that, we just relaunched or launched anew the HHWLOD Podcast Network Facebook page, so go over, head over to Facebook, search for HHWLOD, and give that brand new group a like. It's growing strong already, and we'd like it to be even stronger. Absolutely. And keep an eye on it, because there's, there's a lot of cool giveaways. I know Johnny M is throwing out um, a lot of uh, digital codes for various movies that he's picking up. I think the rest of us will probably 
uh, jump in there from time to time as well. So there'll be some cool giveaways if you're quick on the draw on, on checking out that Facebook page. Plus, it's a great way to keep up on all of our podcasts that we have in the network since we have so many different things going on uh, that we can have the one clearinghouse on Facebook for all of our outgoing you know episodes as we post them. So definitely want to keep up with that. But uh, the Walking Dead TV podcast group is very... Uh, very vocal and very active, and I uh, had a lot of things to say about this episode. Uh, Michael Santana gave it five repaired prison finales out of five. Uh, Gimple, I never doubted you. Total lie. I was worried. Uh, things are looking up for our favorite show. Uh, Brian Frederick, 4.75 Spaghetti Tuesdays on Wednesdays. Going to miss you, Herschel. I could not agree more, Brian. Uh, 4.5 Emmys for Scott Wilson from Brian Arnold. A great episode. The comic readers have been wanting since the series debuted. I'm very curious to see where the show goes now. Our old friend Chub Toad Sheldon gave it 4.75 Herschel's wise words out of 5. It would have been a 5 out of 5, but they killed off Herschel. Newt Knight, 5 out of 5, ranks up there with Sophia coming out of the barn. Uh, Hesler and Mac, 4.5 bad parental decisions out of 5. Uh, the only thing stopping him from 5 was the way the little girl got bit and the girls leaving the baby. Uh, Everard and Santa Maria, 5. The kids are alright, but Psycho's, st- uh, Psycho's out of 5. Um... We also have uh, uh, Trisha Carroll, Terrell Collins coming out as a Downtown Abbey fan on <laughs> on the uh, the Busters thing, so she's been officially outed. Uh, Terry Bernard is a 4.5 out of 5. Really like the episode. Things got pretty intense. 5 out of 5 from Sarah Ann Howard. So well done. Love Scott Gimple. Glad the governor is wrapped. Can't see how they dive into the next part. 5 headless Herschels out of 5 from Roger Austin. Uh, 4.9, uh, 1 in... Uh, impaled one-eye brise out of five from Craig DeMonda. Uh, Herschel was an honorable character that received an honorable death. Sad to see him go, but it was an amazing way to do it. Uh, Elisa Gonzalez, five out of five Herschel's heads. Uh, Daryl Taylor, I give th- I give three Rick needs to stop being punk busters out of five. Uh, the episode felt like it was done to move the group to the next place. That's interesting because most people are giving it a straight up five out of five uh, including Mary Terpecchia, Brent Jones, Max Sofer, um, a lot of other people. Even Rene Alvarado usually hates this show. <laughs> Best episode yet. Five little gangbangers bucking shots. Uh, alternately, five Adam Sessler and Morgan Webb looking zombies. I missed that one. As did I, but that's awesome and, uh, that they actually had lookalike swarm. I'll have to go in and, and double check that because I remember them from the Zombie <laughs> Network uh, G4. Um, X play for the win. <laughs> five. It's only a flesh wound. Monty Python references out of five <laughs> for uh, for uh, Michonne's uh, stabbing of the governor, no doubt. Uh, so mostly five out of five. So everybody seemed to really enjoy this episode, except for a few people. Me and Daryl. Uh, so yep, that's about it. I gotta say, I mean, someone mentioned um, the Sophia walking out of the barn thing, and that's was that was that that's uh, pretty much dead already. Um, that's an episode where I had a similar reaction, where I think it certainly get, gets you to the emotional place you need to be in terms of horrible things happening, and there's a lot of big action, it looks great, and it's really well filmed and all that. But that same episode also had, like, it had like Dale stealing guns and hiding them in the woods. It's just kind of dumb stuff like that, which is kind of what I saw in some of this episode, where I just, <laughs> the whole, like, let's roll a tank through the prison, that will solve problems. Like, it's just these little, these issues that come up that kind of, go against other things that I appreciate about the episode, which is why I rate it lower, because I want to like it. I like this show in general. I'm not going to stop watching it. 
I, I think the actors are doing a fine job. I think the action in, involving zombies is always well done. There's a lot of things I want to enjoy. Herschel's a great character, and I'm sad that he's gone. So when there's other things that are lesser than that for me, it makes it like I have to I have to judge it that way. I can't just love everything all the time. I have to I have to be fair to myself and like why I'm appreciating things about this show and what I want to say about it. So. Well, it's a totally valid opinion. I mean. Yeah, I know. It's like, I don't want to come up, it's like I'm purposely trying to be negative. Like, I just, I had issues, and so I got to bring them up in some way. Well, gentlemen, do we have anything else before we close this out and head into our extended spoiler section? No, I'm I'm good. I think uh, we got two months off, so I think we'll be having plenty of time to reflect back on the first half of the season, probably have some more feedback from listeners, um, maybe solicit some more feedback so we can kind of have some conversation and discussion on the show. So I, th- I think uh, I'm good for now. Yeah, uh, we should mention we got another voicemail for this week, but we're going to save it for a- another episode in the future where we play some various voicemails and emails and uh, discuss the f- first half of the season in uh, in total. So yeah, we're going to close out the episode now, but we're going to have a two-fold spoiler section, one where we look at the second half of the season and kind of postulate what we think might happen in that second half, and also where we talk about what was different in this mid-season finale from the same storyline in the comic. But before we get to that, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, and we'd love you to do it, like we said, we're going to get to those voicemails very soon in the uh, in the mid-season break. You can do so at our brand new HHWLOD Podcast Network phone line. That's 972-798-3830, 972-798-3830. Just say in the voicemail that you're leaving it for the Walking Dead TV podcast, and it will get to us. You can also leave us an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com, and you can send us a text email or send us an MP3 there if you'd rather send a voicemail that way. Check out all of our great shows at hhwlod.com, uh, Half Hour Wasted, The Long Box of Doom, Black Box, Out Now with Aaron and Abe, Jersey Shore, The Icapod Crane Cast, hosted by our good friend Aaron here, and uh, The Shield Podcast with Brad, John, and Russ, and uh, that's always a lot of fun as well, and sometimes even Ken, or at least once Ken. And all those shows can be found on Facebook as well. Like we already mentioned, there's the Walking Dead TV podcast Facebook page. There's also the brand new HHWLOD podcast network page. Head over, like them both, and check out all the great content and maybe win some free stuff. And you can follow us on Twitter at WDTV podcast and at HHWLOD underscore network. And so until there's no more room left in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, like Brad said, no body, no death. Have a good week, everybody. Now for our spoiler section, gentlemen. So for our spoiler section, this is your final warning, folks. If you don't want to know anything about what might happen in the second half of the season, which granted, this will mostly be just us guessing at where we think it's going to go, as well as the next episode title, um, head out now. And we hope you join us next week. The next episode will be titled Here We Remain, which I believe is another title from the trades. And that will air all the way in 2014. February 9th is when the show is returning. So we get a couple months off of the holidays and football. And then Here We Remain which is uh, written by Robert Kirkman and directed by Greg Nicotero, will air on the 9th of February. So, gentlemen, what do we think is going to happen in the second half of the season? Do we think maybe Judith is live? If we do, who do we think has her, Uh, etc. and so forth? I have a crazy baby Judith theory. Okay. And this is probably half-baked at best, but just something that just kind of popped into my head on my way home from work today. Um, What if baby Judith was bitten not like severely but just just had had been bitten a nibble um yeah just <laughs> nibbled on 
and was, you know, either Bob or somebody else got her away, and she doesn't turn. Oh. Like, maybe she's, I mean, really far-fetched, but I was just curious. I was like, maybe she's, like, you know, this this Messiah child or something like that. Sounds like The Last of Us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't think it'll go there, and I really hope it doesn't go there. Yeah, that gotta be like, really? Like, this is the family that's that's supposed to solve everything? (laughs) I I mean, I I understand that there is a a segment of the viewing populace who really wants the show to be about finding a cure, etc. and so forth, but that's not what a good zombie story is about, with a few exceptions, and it's just not what the Walking Dead comic or show has ever been about. It's, It's here, it's here to stay, Zombies are a thing, you just have to deal with it. And having somebody who's immune or who, you know, could be a messiah type deal, that's just a totally different show. Yeah. I was thinking maybe even like new births aren't affected. Like for whatever reason, you know, it's it's almost like a genetic thing or just whatever, it's not passed on or they find out that, you know, that that there can be another generation or something like that. I mean, still there's 6 billion people in the world and if most of them turn into zombies even if new births are are coming in, um there's st- there's still a pretty pretty big zombie to not ratio. Anyway, just just something crazy I thought of. There's a very convincing theory going around on Reddit with screen caps and everything that uh, Tyrese actually rescued Judith. You can see shots of him running with his gun slung over his shoulder after he's rescued by uh, Lizzie and the girls, and he's holding something that you can't see as he runs away from the camera, and he's in the same general vicinity of Judith's uh, car seat. I think I would buy that, and I also like the theory that kind of goes on from that in the comments on Reddit, which was, what if Tyrese rescues Judith? And then you've got Tyrese, Judith, um, the three or four little girls. What if they meet up with Carol? And so now Tyrese is met up with Carol. He doesn't know that she either killed uh, Karen or at least claimed to have killed Karen. And it's them forming a relationship for a few months before they meet back up with the main group. And so now Tyrese would be torn on what to do because he he's fallen in love with this woman who may or may not have killed the last woman he fell in love with. I mean, that would be pretty compelling. Yeah. Well, that would be cool. But then add in the crazy idea that somebody had earlier that Carol was actually covering for those girls. Yeah, so now you've got the person who claimed they killed them, the person right. who actually killed them, and the person who mourned the killing. Right, that would just add another layer to that whole intrigue. See, if it played out that way, I'd love it. I, I think that, that that leaves a whole lot of interest in where those storylines could go. So, Does anybody else have any Judith theories before we move on to the next topic? I don't necessarily need her to be in the show, but I don't necessarily her, need her to not be in the show. I mean, she's... You know, and we'll talk about this in the second half of the spoiler issue, but, um, in the spoiler section, but, you know, at this point in the comic, Judith is a non issue. You know what I mean? Yes. As we read the comic currently, she's not a, a, a player. Yeah, a giant stork picks her up, guys. Sorry, spoiler. <laughs> it takes her back to a nest and she's like, I'll take care of her, Rick. Like, it's weird. Bird talks. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, going on for the rest of the season. We've got that phantom radio broadcast that we heard in the middle of the first half of the season, the those who arrive survive thing. We also know from casting that Abraham, Rosita, and what's the other character's name? It starts with E, right? Like Emmett or something? Eugene. 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 So Eugene, Abraham, and Rosita, big comic characters, will be showing up in the second half of the season. Um, So 
we're excited to see them. Do you think they're going to be connected to the radio broadcast? Do you think they're going to be completely separate? What group do you think they meet up with first, assuming that the group is still separated when we come back? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't know. Uh, Which would be the worst case scenario for a group to meet them? No. <laughs> um, well, because I, I like those characters quite a bit. I'm looking forward to seeing how yeah, they... I, I can't... Because Abraham has the best mustache. That's one yeah. of the reasons, yeah. I mean, obviously. I, I can't really think of... I, I, maybe Tyrese, and I only say that because, again, like strong alpha male type. I mean, well, Tyrese kind of floats back and forth. I mean, we've seen when push comes to shove in the show, Tyrese can be that guy. Um, so and Abraham can be as well for people who haven't read the book. So now right, we have right. three so maybe, or four alpha males. So maybe that would you know kind of start off as as confrontational. But I I can't see I can't really say any th- those guys meeting up with any one group over another being particularly positive or negative. Probably be Rick if anything because I think the skirt around this i mean things involving rick and carl after the events of the prison some of that's taken place in this show already so you need to give rick something to do and probably interacting with an entirely new group would be a good way to go about that i have to believe that as part of their contingency plan they they were supposed to meet somewhere i mean i'm sure they would have thought well if we if we get separated this is where we're going so I, i would think before a short period of time that they would, you know, kind of like we saw at the end of, I guess, what is it, season two, when yeah. they, um, you know, when they met back up on the highway like that. So I'm, I'm sure that's not out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> this would make fans so happy. Meet us back at the barn. Like, that <laughs> make everyone so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Putting aside Aaron's hate for Tara, Tara and Lily are still out there. Do we think they meet up with one of the groups? I kind of feel like there's still story to tell with them, at well, least with Tara. And I guess this is kind of spoilery. We know that Tara has credits in, I think, episode three. 13 and 16 at this point so oh, okay she's yeah she's credited as a cast member at, at at least two episodes in the future so we know she's not gone for good <laughs> she takes revenge on Lizzie for killing her girlfriend because <laughs> 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 the show hates little girls so i mean that's so likely apparently right do we think they meet up with a group and maybe become you know what, what group would be the most likely to take in their attackers if they even know that that's who they are um I, I, I think by the time they get, I like I said, I think the group will be back together in fairly short order. So maybe after two episodes they'll be back. So I, I think it's it's almost moot. I think personally that that they'll all be together again relatively soon. Anything else for the second half of the season that we want to guess at, gentlemen? The Carol and if she's covering them, that's the only thing I really interested in in terms of like a future development and you know at the rate whatever the radio signal thing is if, if that's abe or whoever but uh and, and definitely abe's mustache abe's mustache yeah how he trims it how he keeps it neat and stuff during the apocalypse <laughs> what brand of wax does he use uh so let's give another further spoiler warning for anyone who didn't doesn't mind hearing our guesses at what may happen in the second half of the season but who does want to keep away from comic book spoilers maybe they're catching up hey the mid-season break would be a great time to do that uh we're now going to talk about things from the comic that either directly mirrored or were very different um from the events in this episode so that's the first 48 issues of the comic if you don't want to be spoiled on them tune out now have a great week we will be back in short order so, gentlemen, uh, who wants to start? There was plenty of things that were very, very similar, if not you know, identical, like the shot of the of uh, the governor on the tank and the trucks and everything. And there were things that were very different. Yeah, I mean, governor had both his well, 
Like both, well, he had both his arms on the show, but yet one arm on the tank. So, yes, um, in the comics, the governor had lost one of his arms at this point. Less mutilation. Uh, lost, his I guess. prisoners were also different. His prisoners were Tyrese and Michonne instead of Herschel right. and Michonne, and Tyrese definitely got his head chopped off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, and he ends up getting killed by one of his own people, Lily. Right. I mean, <laughs> a, a different Lily, but for but different his... different reasons in the comic, kind of you know. I mean, she, the woman freaks out because she made her kill a baby. You know, she he made her. I mean, kill that kind of yeah. I, I obviously yeah, it's different, but I mean, it's it's following a similar pattern of yeah. his own people kill him because he's gone too far to an extent. And and in the in the comic, we should say uh, Lori is still alive at this point, but she's holding Judith when Lily uh, cuts them down. So Lily kills both. Uh, Lori and Judith, and then when she realizes what she did at the governor's uh, orders, she then kills the governor. I think when I read issue 48, that may have been the thing that, the the comic that I've read that in my whole career of reading comics that shocked me the most. I mean, that was just... Oh, I agree 100%. That was just yeah, the craziest thing I had ever read was was seeing that issue. That's just, the kind of thing where I flipped the page backwards and then flipped it again thinking it would be different the second time around. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, yes, that happened. Yeah, exactly. something? <laughs> Did somebody fall asleep? Is this a dream? No, that's issue 75, I believe, where we have the dream sequence. <laughs> um, yeah, probably the most shocking thing, to, well, not the most shocking thing necessarily, but the biggest thing to remember crazy-wise happening until issue 100 of the book, which we won't spoil, but where yeah. another horrible, terrible, no good thing happens. <laughs> Uh, to another character we love, uh, or to a character we love, we should say, since it was Lori uh, in issue 48. Um, do we remember anybody else who lived or died that was different? Uh, Her- I mean, Herschel was still alive at that point, right? He was still on his farm, I think. No, Herschel, no, Herschel was at the prison at that point. He'd... No, because Maggie and Glenn weren't there. Maggie and Glenn had gone back to they the, moved. Pres- uh, back to the uh, farm. When, yeah. When did Her- Wait, hold on. When did Herschel die then on the car? Later on. Are you sure? I- Pretty I sure. Thought was, I thought, well, it didn't hurt. Did Herschel's son die? Because he had a son in the comic too, right? Yeah, I think I think maybe two or three of his kids actually die in the prison yeah. firefight. And uh, Carol was dead at this point as well. Yes, she had, she had kind of <laughs> gone. She had kind of gone loopy because yeah. she had she yeah she had um, fallen in love with Tyrese and Tyrese rejected her. She tried to kill herself. Well, Tyrese was wooed over by Michonne. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Really, yeah. There were some. Yeah. There were some shenanigans going on there, and she she went crazy, and then she ended up basically inviting a zombie to bite her. And wasn't that also after she'd found the bodies of those dead little girls? That wasn't she the one who found them? Uh, no, that was. I thought that was Maggie that found those. Might might have been. Uh, it's well, been a long and, time since yeah. I read those issues. I think it's important too that Sophia was still alive at this point. Yeah. As well. Yeah. And um, and also another crazy thing that happened in the comic was that that illustrated just how crazy um Carol had gone. She suggested to Lori that she and Rick and Carol all get married and yeah. be a marital unit the three of them because she loved them so much yeah. and yeah. Lori was like you're okay now you're just talking crazy. So all the stuff layered on just really sent her over the deep end, and, oh, somebody, they had captured a zombie because somebody wanted to study the zombies for science purposes, and she went up to the zombie because she was crazy and said, I hope, you know, you'll like me. Nobody else here seems to like me. Those weren't her exact words, but that's the message she was sending, 
and she ended up getting close enough and letting the zombie bite her in, in, in the neck. Who was studying the zombie? Was that Eugene? Or I can't remember exactly when that those three were introduced. That was after. That, yeah, was, that was farther on when Abe and Eugene. I don't. And Rosita were... I don't remember who it was, but I, I am remembering that right. They did have a zombie chained up, chained up inside the fence with them. Just the one zombie. I, I think you're yeah, correct. That, yeah, but yeah. I just can't remember who would have been studying it. Yeah. I. I well, then maybe two, I was... Maggie and Glenn, like they had this weird moment where you thought they were going to do like a, like a ritual suicide and it turns out they just shave their heads <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> in in the prison barber shop i did a little um, i did a little reading here on wikipedia because i wanted to be herschel did die from the governor he his son his son got shot and then herschel was so pissed he was just so like given up on life at that point that he let the Hers- that he let the governor kill him he just kind of sat yeah there. didn't he say something like just kill me yeah he did yeah but weren't maggie and glenn back at the farm yeah, for some but, reason yeah but no no they well <clears throat> They eventually came back over to the prison and everything. Like things just changed at that point. They all got back to they all got back to the prison. Everything led to the prison before the governor came. And, okay, I thought that happened after. But like I said, it's been a long time. I, yeah. since Dale Dale was still alive at this point. Dale's alive. Oh yeah, yeah. Dale doesn't die for a yeah. long time after. Yeah, that. and you like Dale a lot. Spoiler. <laughs> oh no, saying Dale's dead does not spoil how Dale dies because that is my favorite storyline ever. Hmm. Um, and I hope we get to it eventually in this show. But I would yes. love to have. St- to have seen Dale go out that way instead of the way he went out, but mm-hmm. yeah, that would have been an improvement. Oh, Andrea was still alive at this point in the comic, and yeah. she was continuing to be awesome. Yeah, yes. We're not saying if she's still alive now in the comic as we're reading, but at this point, at issue forty-eight, she is still alive and still awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She's just more and, awesome. And, and the way that ended is they got separated. Rick and Carl, you know, were on their own. And this is what I was saying earlier. Uh, some of the scenes that we see for next, for the second half of the season, we see Rick and Carl alone in a house. And Rick is not doing well. Carl is yelling, wake up, wake up. And something very similar to that happens you know, in the upcoming up and the issues as well. So yeah, that's about in the in the comics where we start the whole Rick is getting phone calls from Ghost Laurie yeah, right. storyline. Right. Although she does not appear as an actual phantom uh, that I recall anyway in the books, but that's where that whole phone storyline happens. So it'll be interesting to see how that will be better or worse without her death on top of everything else. Well, that's yeah, that's why I like the story a lot because it leaves Carl on his own, and Carl's a lot. In this show, Carl's a lot more developed as a confident fighter than he is in the comic at this point. Like, Carl's a lot more innocent on the... Yeah. He's still innocent in the comic at this point. He's, he's he's maybe shot a couple things here or there, but he hasn't he hasn't gunned down a field of zombies with his dad in the backyard of the prison like he did in the show at this point. So it's it's like... It, it puts him in a very vulnerable spot when his dad is literally unconscious and talking to, you know, no one on a phone while Carl has to deal with this craziness that just happened at the prison. Now he's, you know, by himself, basically. So. And Rick had also been recently very seriously wounded. Yeah, I think we've talked about it previously. There's plenty of things that have gone on with Rick during this time that make him... At, at this point in the comics, Rick is missing a hand, which will pretty much they've pretty much said will never happen in the show. It would just be too expensive to do all the time, so they did it with Merle instead. But So Rick is not only like emotionally damaged, but he's physically in a worse state than he is in the show just because he's missing a, an appendage. Yeah. But you know he's still in a bad place in the show physically as well. Yeah. I'm going to get that hardcover out and reread that issue and the I next, think I might have to as and well then, yeah I'm going to get out 
issue uh, hardcover five and read where the story went at that point, so I can start comparing. Because yeah, like a lot of people die at forty eight, like a lot. <laughs> yeah, it, re- it reminds you like how many there, there are a lot more family members I think in Herschel's family in the comic than there were in the or at least that we you know saw or were known or aware of. I think, yeah, the... his family was essentially the inspiration for eighteen kids at County. <laughs> <laughs> He lost like seven to zombies, and he still had more. <laughs> we saw them in the TV show. They were just already dead in the barn. Yeah. Right. Right. Less actors to pay. So is that it, gentlemen? Do we have anything else to add? Well, I think that's it. All righty. Uh, that's it for this week. We will be back soon to discuss the season finale, or the mid-season finale some more, uh, read emails, talk Facebook stuff, uh, play voicemails. And uh, until then, I'd leave you with a song that makes me think of uh, Rufia and the Lost Girls, Lizzie and uh, her her band of child killers, um, as as we head off into the blooper territory. So uh, have a good week, everybody. Shiny test red one. button. Yeah, test test, test, test. The shiny red button beckoning him ever closer. Every test. Spectacles. Wallet and watch. Why is there never a red button? I can barely hear Aaron. I'm here. I'm here. I can talk. And the day is saved by Carl, who shoots Rick. Or, and the day... <laughs> ah, bloopers. 50 busters! <laughs> you sound like Stefan from Saturday Night Live. This one episode had everything. What do you think the governor was going to do with, with Herschel's head after he cut it off, by the way? Any, any thoughts? Aquarium. Aquarium. <laughs> I'm battle dancing unicorns. I'm battle dancing unicorns.